0: I still to this day love what I do. I wake up every day enjoying it. The advantages, I could go on and on. The sky's the limit of what I can earn. I can schedule my day where I could go to Minion, I can learn. You don't have to miss a single school thing for one of your kids. I feel good that every time I meet with somebody, whether they work with me or they don't, hopefully they're in a better place after the meeting than they were before I walked in the door or walked into Zoom.
1: This is Career Forum. I'm Gary Wallach, executive producer of Career Forum. Choosing a career path can be very challenging. It's hard to know where to turn for helpful information. But here on Career Forum, you'll get an insider's view of the most popular and rewarding fields available to the from world from professionals ready to offer an insightful look into their respective fields. This is knowledge you won't find anywhere else. Larry Barth is CEO of AJJ Planning Services. He graduated from Pace University in 1988 with a Bachelor of Business Administration in Economics. For more than 30 years, Larry has been managing wealth for businesses and individuals as a CLU, CHFC, and LUTCF. Mr. Barth, welcome to Career Forum.
0: Nice to be here. Thanks very much.
1: CLU, CHFC, and LUTCF. That's a lot of letters. I'm getting a little dizzy here. (laughs) What do those abbreviations stand for?
0: So the CLU is our Chartered Life Underwriter, a series of 10 courses or so um, regarding focusing on the areas of insurance. The CHFC is the Chartered Financial Consultant. That's a bigger picture of more of the financial advising type of world. And the LUTCF is the Life Underwriter Training Council Fellow with a specific focus in the world of disability insurance.
1: Okay, so we'll get to what you do in those capacities a little later, but let's start at the very beginning of your story. Where were you born and raised?
0: So I was born in Floral Park, Queens, and I literally lived there my entire life up until four years ago.
1: Okay. And where did you go to high school?
0: Went to high school at MTA in Upper Manhattan, right by YU. Not the transit (laughs) department, but the the high school, the Uchid University High School.
1: And at what point did you become interested in the world of finance?
0: During high school, I, I had an interest in it. And I was actually part of a team that there's a New York Stock Exchange stock market game. And I was part of a team that came in second place. So I was always interested. And then we came in second place, had a chance to go to the New York Stock Exchange and sit in a boardroom. And it got me even more excited about going into the field. That's where it all
1: started. So while you were in high school, what was it exactly that attracted you to it before you became even marginally involved in it? I think there was
0: just some interest of how business would run. My dad always had his own business, not related to this profession. So I had an understanding or an interest in the world of being in business. And then just there was something about the stock market that always sounded interesting to me. So I just read the New York Times business section early on.
1: Did you continue with yeshiva or did you attend college,
0: both? After I graduated high school, I spent a year in yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. And I went to BMT and spent a year there and I came back. And then I got a part-time job working at Merrill Lynch while going to school at the time at Baruch College, one of the city schools. And then I switched over to Pace University.
1: How did you get that internship?
0: I have a cousin who at the time was working at Merrill Lynch. And when I told him I was interested in a job, a part-time job, and I'd like to know if he had anything at Merrill Lynch, so he found me a job in the mailroom. So I worked my way up from the mailroom onto ending up being a sale, what we call a sales assistant on the International Institutional Sales Desk for a group of professionals that I worked for.
1: Wow, that's a pretty meteoric rise for an intern. That, that sounds like it, it was a lot of It was of fun. fun and
0: interesting, yeah.
1: So please tell me about your college education at Pace. Was it rigorous? What were the challenges and maybe even the pleasures of learning about the stock market?
0: It was a challenge, I have to say. Most of my college, I went at night. I worked during the day. Merrill Lynch came to me and said, we'd love for you to work full time. And if you do, we'll pay for your college education, which was obviously enticing to me, to my parents. My parents did leave it up to me, whatever I would want to do. But I felt it was a really good opportunity. So I went to school at night. And after working a full day and then going to school at night, that became a real challenge for me. But I knew there was an end game to this whole thing. And that's where I wanted to get to. So challenge at night, somewhere in there, I was married. So all those things factored in, but we, we made it through it.
1: And what time was this? Can you, can you give me a time frame on all of this experience in the market and getting married?
0: It took me about eight years to go to college. So I graduated somewhere around 1988 from college. I got married a couple of years before I graduated Thankfully, I have a very supportive wife who understood that I'm not going to college forever, and she was very encouraging to me to keep going and keep pushing through it to get to the end, but it was definitely a challenge going
1: at night. So as I mentioned earlier, you earned a bachelor's in business administration and used it toward a career in finance. Is that a typical pathway for this degree, or can it be used in other ways as well?
0: It could be used in a lot of different things. I majored in economics because in PACE, in order to major in finance, which is really the direction I wanted originally, I had to take way too many accounting courses that they were going to require, and I didn't want to do that. So I majored in economics, and there are paths into this business from, I know people in that that majored in psychology, that majored all over the place. So there's a lot of flexibility to get into the profession that I'm in now.
1: You hinted at the idea that you kind of knew what the end game was. So as you approached graduation, what was going through your mind about what you wanted to do afterward?
0: So what I really wanted to do after I graduated was I worked, as I mentioned, I worked for a number of international institutional salespeople. I wanted to be one of them. That was my goal. And as I got closer to graduation, I approached Merrill Lynch about that opportunity. And as sometimes we learn in life, there are bumps in the road. And Merrill Lynch came to me and said, that's not going to happen. At the time, they said, you didn't go to certain colleges. If you want, you could be in operations. You could work with individuals, but you're not going to be in the international institutional sales area. That was a real bump in my road. It was not my plan of what I was expecting at the end. So that's when I changed and started to look at this opportunity of where I am today of starting my own business and creating a certain life for myself that I really wanted anyway. So that's kind of how I ended up where I am.
1: So tell me about that first job with Merrill Lynch. What were you actually doing and how were you feeling about that?
0: So at the beginning, it was fine. I was making some money. I was working in the mailroom. It was not exactly taxing on me where I'd literally look at an envelope back in the day when you got a lot of mail and I'd say, okay, it goes in so-and-so's mailbox. And then I started to do certain deliveries of certain stock certificates and bond certificates around the Wall Street area. And little did I know that sometimes I was carrying bonds that could be cashed that I was walking around literally with, I didn't realize, but literally sometimes millions of dollars had no clue.
1: Bearer bonds, right?
0: Bear bonds, exactly. I could have gone, <laughs> I, I could have been living a life in Aristotle right now without any problems. <laughs> so that's what I did. And then eventually I moved on to an operations desk and eventually they offered me this opportunity on the sales desk. And that's how it all kind of, it was just one step at a time when they realized maybe I could do more than just be in a mailroom for them.
1: It's sometimes said that one can learn more in a year or two of a good job than one can in four years of undergrad studies. Was that the case for you at Merrill Lynch?
0: 110%. 110%. What I got out of college was great. I still think it's important. However, what I learned on the job, keeping my ears open, talking to lots of people, and just trying to not just do a job but understand why I was doing what I was doing – that was the best education I could have gotten. Even if it wasn't the perfect fit, sometimes I always tried to take something away and learn from that so that it was always felt like I was doing more than just earning a paycheck.
1: Clearly, you loved what you were doing. I do.
0: I still, to this day, love what I do. I wake up every day enjoying it.
1: For the people we've interviewed so far in Career Forum, there are considerations of being Shomer Shabbos, Shomer Kashrus, Shomer Yom Tov. So what were the challenges there, if any, for you?
0: So at Merrill Lynch, for the most part, and this was, you know, years ago when things were a little different, there were some challenges, but for the most part, the people that I worked for were very understanding of who I was. At one point I actually had a nun from Jewish boss and he couldn't understand to this day. And I still, every once while speak to him, couldn't understand why Rosh Hashanah was two days. You know, he says in Israel they only celebrate one day and we went back and forth. And But he didn't give me a rough time. He just, it was a little pushing. But for the most part, as long as I was respectful and explained to them the situation up front, I am who I am. They would understand that if they were going out to eat and they wanted me to join them, either we went to a kosher place or I didn't eat. And it was that simple and it became very clear who I was. So they understood it. So back in the Merrill Lynch days, a little bit of a challenge, but I got past it. We dealt with it, but I never bent who I was. That was the one thing.
1: So how many years were you working at Merrill Lynch and what eventually led you to decide to start your own firm? So I worked at Merrill
0: for about altogether, probably about eight years. Again, they paid for me to go to college. The day I cashed my last check was the day I quit. Actually, probably two days later to make sure the check cleared and i knew that i wanted to do something different once i knew i couldn't do what i wanted within merrill lynch so i had started to think about i i again i grew up in a family where my father had his own business so i understood the idea of it looked enticing to me to have my own business and i started to look around but i liked the financial world so i found this world where i can go in they'll help me get certain licenses that maybe I already didn't have. Some I had, some I didn't. And they would teach me and I could build my business like that and build a business that I really wanted where I can have what I wanted for my family, both time and quite frankly, money. And that's how I fell into it. At the beginning, it was not easy. It's a challenge, growing your own business. I don't care what anyone says, but I enjoyed every, you know, most minutes of it.
1: Even though this is what you wanted, even though you had some background, seeing your father run a business, it must have been at least a little bit intimidating to think about entering the financial world because it's a rough one in which to get a foothold, isn't it? It
0: is. At the beginning, it was hard. Who do I call? Who do I talk to? How do I get business? And it got a little sweaty when our first kids were born and they were twins and all of a sudden there were two little kids because there were more mouths to feed. Um, But again, we persevered, my wife and I, and I always tried to learn something. So if I had a mentor, if I had some, and I always tried to have a mentor, even till today, I still have mentors that I call to run things by as I continue to grow my business. So those were very helpful things to always try and learn from things that were around me, people that were around me. And also have people just to like say, things are really getting tough, what do I do? and thankfully the advice was hang in there you're doing great and keep going
1: what was the biggest challenge of starting up from scratch to go into this business the good
0: news is you don't need a lot of capital you could go in with pretty much almost no money that's so that's not a big issue the biggest issue is who do i talk to because you have to talk to people and hopefully they're going to feel comfortable with you and they're going to say I want you to start to manage some or all of my money, or I want you to help build a financial plan for me and my family or for me individually. And finding those people is the hardest part. Time to talk about money. Not everybody wants to talk to you about their very personal information.
1: Mm -hmm. Were you able to grow quickly?
0: I had my ups and downs. At the beginning, I had some success. Quite frankly, I stayed away from mostly from my family of doing business with them or friends. People knew what I was doing or some people had an idea what I was doing. And over the first three years, which are considered in the profession, the first three to five years, the hardest of years. I think statistically over 85 percent of the people that start in my profession don't last three to five years. Wow. You get through that you've really gotten through the hard part. So, you know, I had some early success. I did have some downs also. wasn't all up, that was for sure.
1: Did you have employees?
0: I didn't. The way I grew it was I had, let's call it shared staff. I had people that could do certain things for me and then other things I just had to do myself. So, you know, during the day I was busy and at night I was busy. That's how I did it.
1: So you had to learn a lot of different skills,
0: it sounds like. You have to learn a lot of skills. You have to learn not only how to talk to people and what to, how to give them advice, but you also have to learn how to process all the advice. But that's actually very helpful to know. It's really, I think, no matter what business anybody goes through, if they're going to be in business, they should know all the aspects of their business. The most successful business owners that I today work with as clients are the ones that really know and understand every aspect of their business.
1: So you've been in business for over 30 years, correct? Yes. How would you say that the business has grown quantitatively and maybe qualitatively too?
0: First of all, I think, you know, as much as we could all talk about over the past, even just the past few years, about the unfortunate parts of COVID, one of the big positives was we all learned how to use Zoom and how to grow and deal with people this way when I was used to going and shaking their hands and traveling all up, running all over the place or clients were coming to me. And now every majority of people are very comfortable doing business via Zoom. Technology has changed things a lot just because as technology grows, you gotta grow with it. And it helps a tremendous amount. Also, as my business grew and I got a little more flexibility, at the beginning it was hard, but I still used it, took some flexibility. It was always my dream that I wouldn't miss one of my kids' school plays. I don't miss Minion every day. I try and set aside time every day to learn. And in the middle of the day, every once in a while in my office, they wonder, what, where's Larry going? They start to see a pattern. And they realized I was going to mental every day in the middle of the day. And it got easier for me to create that and not be afraid to put that in my calendar versus when I first started. And I was like, but the person wants to meet me at 2 o'clock. It's like, okay, we got to figure this out. <laughs> so... I, I, as I get more and more into it, get more comfortable doing what I got to do.
1: Maybe a little easier when you're the boss rather than just the intern, right? That's very true.
0: But I think, again, I think if you set the expectations up front, I think that makes it easier. I've heard a lot of people talk about what do I do when I go for a job interview? I'm upfront who I am, you know, even when I meet with clients and if they don't like me for who I am and certain things no i can't meet you i have to go to chakras in the morning you know i can't do that or we can meet a drop later so expectations are big i think Mm -hmm. even to the intern
1: what are the other advantages and disadvantages to having your own firm
0: i think some of the disadvantages are when the business is hard and there's no business coming in or there's little business coming in or you thought business was coming in and it doesn't end up coming in that's your problem you don't get a paycheck Every week, that's the same check. So a lot of people go to work, they get a paycheck, and they don't think about what happens behind the scenes. That's one of the hardest things: is making sure you're getting through that. And there, like I said earlier, there are good times, there are harder times, and sometimes your check's going to be bigger than, sometimes going to be lower, and especially at the beginning, that becomes really difficult and you have to really persevere through that. I think that's one of the hardest things because it's all on you, it's all on your shoulders. The advantages, I could go on and on. I have the opportunity, sky's the limit of what I can earn. I can schedule my day where I could go to Minion, I can learn, and I have a friend who does what I do and he refuses to take a phone call before I think 9, 9.30 every day because between davening and learning, That's what he does every morning. And that's what you could do in this business. You don't have to miss a single school thing for one of your kids. I never All my kids were very athletic in elementary school and high school. I never missed a game. Not once, I don't think. Um, Actually, there was one game I did miss, but I got permission (laughs) for my son to miss it. Um, So those are some of the advantages, I think. And it's just, it could create a really nice life.
1: Your website says that you work with individuals and businesses. What kind of individuals and what kind of businesses have come through your door?
0: Businesses, it doesn't make a difference of the profession of what they're doing. They could be a contractor, they could be a law firm, they could be an accounting firm. It could be anything. I just typically deal with the business owners, some of the executives or employees of those companies. But it doesn't make a difference of the profession of what they're doing on the individual side for a while i was focusing on working with many years ago dealing with only primarily or should i say primarily physicians because at the time everybody told me you have to work with doctors they make all the money not necessarily the case today so i still work with many doctors however i also work with lots of other people and i really the types of people i want to work with they could be individuals or couples or families. I just want people who are open-minded, willing to listen to ideas and that we all have a mutual respect for each other. And I've also grown the practice where I'm willing to walk away from somebody if I feel like it's going to be a bad relationship or a hard relationship.
1: It's interesting you say that because many people think of the world of finance as being highly technical and data-driven, which I'm sure it is, but is it also a challenge to keep in mind that you're working with people who have goals and dreams?
0: That's the biggest part. That's the most fun. All that technical, call it stuff, it happens and it's there behind the scenes. And sometimes you have to get a little bit, as we like to say, in the weeds and into the details, but most clients, they don't care. They don't wanna think about that. What they wanna know is that you're there for them So in the tough times, they don't jump ship necessarily when they shouldn't, and that to know they're gonna be okay, we've created a plan, and that's the part that I enjoy the most, is getting to know my clients, getting to become really close with them, that we understand what they're looking to accomplish, what their goals are, not just I wanna retire, or I wanna send my kids to school, or I wanna take these nice trips, but what do those trips look like? What does retirement look like to you? The details, most people, They don't really worry about them. They assume that I'm taking care of that behind the scenes.
1: Which you are, of course. Correct. Is there a particular story that comes to mind that demonstrates what a good financial advisor can do for his or her clients?
0: So, you know, 30 years there are lots of stories. And I have lots of favorites. I had a client that I did some planning with. And I remember sitting at their table. It was time back in the day went to their home and we sat around and me, the wife and the husband, and we talked part of the planning was their insurance planning, their life insurance planning. And I made a recommendation. They said, no, we're not doing that much. And we went back and forth. and met somewhere in the middle. Fast forward, one of the spouses got ill, a terrible illness. And they called me and asked some questions and we went back and forth and they understood what they had. There were certain things they were able to do because of things that I insisted they put in place with their insurance and which really helped them. And unfortunately, one of the spouses passed away. The one who got the terrible illness passed away. And I remember going up to bring the paperwork for the the other spouse to sign, to collect the money. She was a little surprised that I would come up and just for a signature, but that's part of what we do. And it made such a difference in their world. And she said it because of what we did together and because of how much I persevered versus just saying, okay, whatever you want to do, we'll do. I'm not an order taker. It's not, I apologize to anybody that might be selling office supplies, but it's not like buying a pen. There's more to it and spent a lot of time because of my convictions, and it turns out that it was to their benefit, and they appreciated that. So that's just one of, I could go through many stories, but that's just one story. You know, it was, a hard, it was heartbreaking, but because of what we did, really helped.
1: It's an interesting story, because when I think of financial planning, anything in the financial world, you think of it as being sort of a cold, calculating business.
0: I can't even imagine this being a cold, calculated type of business. I feel good that every time I meet with somebody, whether they work with me or they don't, hopefully they're in a better place after the meeting than they were before I walked in the door or walked into Zoom. I have another client, new clients I got over Zoom. I met over Zoom. Um, I've never met them face to face. They got introduced to me by another client and they were having trouble saving money and as we took them through the process that I take all my clients through a cash flow exercise to save, help people save more money. They moved ahead and within a year they looked at their accounts. We were reviewing everything and they were like, just, they were, they were practically in tears at how much money they had in their account. They just bought a new house. They're building a new house. Should I say, and just life has been different for them. And I'm a little embarrassed, but they constantly thanked me for that where they are today. So, that, but that does feel good.
1: Are you active in your Jewish community currently?
0: My wife tells me I'm too active. Um, <laughs> so, both of us actually grew up in Floral Park, New High Park, Queens. And we moved out four years ago. We moved to West Hempstead. So, I'm now involved in the shul. I'm on the executive board, I'm one of the go-by-am of the shul. So, I've gotten myself more involved than I thought I would at this stage couple of other organizations that I like to keep my hands in because they feel near and dear to my heart for different reasons. So, yes.
1: You sound like a man who has a lot going on in his personal life, and his business life. Did you ever at any point consider a graduate degree or was running your business enough of an education?
0: I considered a graduate degree actually back when I was at Pace, before I left, and I considered going for my MBA. I, back then, I even took I think there were the GMATs you have to take. This a long time ago. I took them on the day that the stock market crashed um, in 2008. I remember walking out of the test and everybody's like, did you hear what happened? I said, <laughs> I'm no clue, I've been at test for hours. But I ended up deciding, I didn't think it was necessary. It depends on the track somebody wants to take, but for me, I didn't think it was necessary.
1: So I want to shift a bit from your personal story and focus on providing information for someone considering a career in financial services. Is it difficult to find a job in the field these days?
0: If somebody wants to be an advisor, there are a number of various financial institutions that sometimes will look for interns, whether it be during the year, during the summer. It gives people a good feel for what it What it is, I tell people all the time, there's somebody now I'm talking to regarding one of their kids who's interested, and I said, I'm happy to sit down with them and talk to them. Just show them a little bit about what I do before they go a little further into it, at least from what I do. There are different people that do things a little differently and deal with different clientele, but there are opportunities they're out there for the right individual. But institutions do want to make sure they're, they do their best to try and make sure they're getting the right fit, that it's going to be a good fit for everybody. However, there are definitely opportunities
1: out there. Are there part-time positions available in financial planning?
0: It's hard. It's not easy, but it could be done. There's a firm woman that I know. I I'm not sure how many kids she's got. I know she's got a family. And she's doing this. I guess you call it part-time. She's growing a nice business. It can be done. I think it's a matter of just laying out when clients, I can't meet with you from four to seven during the day. It's just my kid's time or, and I think it could be worked out. I think it can.
1: What's the pay range for someone just entering the field and where does it go from there?
0: I can't speak for all places because I don't know. Like I don't know if somebody gets a position at Merrill Lynch as an example I don't know what the pay range is to start. They probably give you some sort of base, but the goal is that you're gonna be creating an income for yourself through commissions or certain types of fees that are charged. That's really where your income is gonna come from, not from a base. When it comes to the firm that I'm connected to, I believe somebody could get a nominal amount, probably a couple thousand dollars a month for a certain period of time. Again, the goal is to grow your own business, to build your own business, And you're going to make money through commissions and certain types of fees that we charge.
1: Okay. So what does growth in this field actually look like? What are some of the higher positions and what do they entail?
0: It's a matter of how somebody wants to grow their practice. I'm not looking for a practice of 30 staff people and 12 advisors. It's not what I personally want. I have friends who have grown that or are growing in that direction. I don't want that. I want a firm where I do what I want. I can have my flexibility if I need it. Once you start growing it to a certain size, as much as you might be the boss, you still have more obligations because now you're obligated to your staff, your other advisors, and of course your family. If there's an advisor that comes to me and says, can we work together on this? I think you have an expertise. Great. But that's it. I don't want to grow it beyond a certain point. However, income wise, Really, like I said, sky's the limit. I could work with many wealthy people or large businesses and have a certain level of income that most people would admire. So it's really a matter of what you want to grow out of it.
1: Is there a need for ongoing education and licensure for a financial planner?
0: So you get licensed when you start. As a financial advisor, as far as I know, all places require certain securities licenses. And those tests are rigorous. I'd like to believe that anybody that goes to yeshiva seminary could pass these tests. You can learn Dafa Gemara. You can learn this. Then they're also going to require you to get certain insurance licenses as well. Usually you start with licenses based in the state that you're in. So let's say here we are. I'm here in New York. And then as my clients grow and I've got clients literally around the country. Now I'm licensed in numerous states. And that's relatively simple to add on states once you have your initial license. By law, there are certain continuing education type of credits that you need every year or every two years, depending on the license. And you have to learn. I mean, who would go to a doctor if they found out that they never, after they left medical school, they never opened another book, they never opened a medical journal and never went to a course or anything to learn something new. Nobody would go to that doctor. They shouldn't go to a financial advisor who acts like that. I'm continuing to keep up. I just came back last week, spent two days in Minneapolis. And everybody thought I had a good time in Minneapolis. I literally spent time in a room and never saw the outside except late at night for a few minutes. But it's there to keep up my education and learn more and bring back to my clients what I've learned. So it's important. It's crucial.
1: So as we begin to wrap up here, is financial services a field that you'd encourage from men and women to enter?
0: Hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's for the right person. Not every profession's for the right person. I can never be a doctor. I can't look. I could give blood. I can't look at it. But as a financial advisor, it's a great profession for from man or woman to go into. Again, as I've mentioned, what an opportunity that my kids know I've never missed things. I dive with a minion three times a day, God willing, every day, most days. And I have set time I can sit and learn. You can create whatever you want. And that's what an opportunity. You can't do that in all types of jobs, in all types of positions. It's just not possible. And I can do that.
1: So what's next for you? What are your aspirations as you go forward? I continue to grow my
0: business. I love what I do. I wake up every day. I'm not one of the people that wakes up and goes, oh, no, it's Monday. What do I do now? I have no interest in retiring. I just wanna to continue to grow the clients. And at some point, maybe I'll wanna bring in somebody else working with me, but for the most part, I like what I do and I just continue to grow it and have a good time doing it.
1: Final question, would you recommend the financial services field to, oh, I don't know, a freelance podcast producer who <laughs> who's not exactly sure this is gonna get him to retirement? <laughs> it could
0: be, it could be. You know what? We have a lot of people that have joined. I've watched a lot of people change their professions for different reasons. Call it later in life. And we're in the same game here, you and I. (laughs) And, you know, for some, it's worked out great. I just met somebody yesterday whose husband, after he's, I think, 62. And he's been in the real estate world. And he's starting law school in September. Wow. He decided he wants to be an attorney. That's
1: fantastic.
0: (laughs) If you want something, it's there for you. That's my
1: answer. Larry Barth is CEO of AJJ Planning Services. For over 30 years, Barth has been managing wealth for businesses and individuals as a CLUCHFC and LUTCF. Mr. Barth, thank you so much for speaking with me.
0: Thank you very much for having me. It was great. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for joining us on Career Forum. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends so that we can continue to provide quality information that helps you make informed decisions about your future. To explore possible career options, to speak to a career advisor, or to learn more about Sara Shanira, please visit our website at www.sarasch.com or call us at 718-633-8557, extension 37, and discover how we can help you achieve your career goals.